Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us for Eric Richardson, part two. I've been through a little bit of a financial roller coaster myself, and I'm curious as to your opinion. Having gone through this, um, do you find that your that the way that you can relate to somebody who's gone through a tough time financially changed? Yeah. Tell me about that. You, you don't know what it's like till you've been through it. And since you've been through that too, it's kind of like you're in that club of it's terrible. It's not fun. It's hard. It's especially for us, you know, for being a, a provider and the sole provider of a large family, it's extremely hard. And to know that I have got to do something to support the family and then have, you know, taking a job that I really didn't want to do, but was the first one that offered me the option, you know, for an employment. And so it, that kind of, uh, it tests your faith. It tests your faith, it tests who you are and just get on your knees is what I'd, I'd recommend anybody. Get on your knees and just tell the Lord, I will do this. Please just help me make work out eventually. And I will just keep pushing forward because when not from the time that I received that confirmation that kind of said, just keep moving forward. And I did, but then it was still really hard. Once I had the job, I was failing at it. I wasn't doing well. You know, they were looking at firing me and I was like, look, I'm doing everything Lord that you're asking. And, you know, and I, I went through that trial of faith. I stayed with the gospel. I'm like, it was kind of that transactional kind of testimony at that moment. Like, look, I have been, I've done A, B, C, D, K. Yeah. <laughs> expect this, 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 and this now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that, now coming to pass. <laughs> the old church film of the prodigal son where the guy says, I was the good son. <laughs> you know, like I was the faithful one. How I, come I'm making phone calls? Yeah. And I, you know, you kind of feel like I've given up the sacrifice. I gave up a job that worked Sundays to have, you know, and had made plenty of money, but now to be with my family more, I'm like, I'm trying to do everything that would be more in line with what you, you want from me. And it just didn't feel like anything was working. And so what I would say to anybody is it, it's going to, you have to be tested to the very end to see that if you endure to the end and not just give up. And I had to keep pushing past what I thought was my breaking point several times. And there was times I was driving to work with tears down my face, just like frustrated, like, Lord, this is not what I want. This is not really working, you know. I need to, now this is taking time away from me trying to find a new job, you know, <laughs> there's these kind of things like, I was still trying to look for another new job still too. So this is terrible, but it, as I pushed through it, I did get better and better to where I became a top rep there and I made great money. And that, that was what the Lord saw. He's like, I know that you'll get there. Yeah. It'll be really painful, but you will get the money that you need in a very short period of time, you know, year and a half and you'll be there. And now you'll have that money to be able to get back to doing more things that you'd rather do. Yeah. Your feet. So it did work out, but it took, you know, several years wow. and a lot more trials and challenges than you expect. You think, oh, now I've got the job. Oh, the job didn't work out. Now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's working. So we have to, when we, when we get, we come upon trials, sometimes I think that they compound on purpose because it seems like they come like, this is what happens. It gets nice and then it gets really narrow, hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's narrow for a long time. Like it's tough. There's a, we're going to that, that narrow pass that you've got to be clinging to that rod of iron 
and you know satan's buffeting you there's you know you're having to move you're having to deal with a new baby and you know no sleep yes <laughs> all that seems to come at, like on you a lot some whatever trial happens um and i don't know why that the lord likes to do it that way but he just has to put that fire and i guess i guess you know if you think of the the way that he describes it in um purifying with fire you know you got to put a lot of heat into purifying something to melt it or remake it and so that's i guess what it takes and it did it changed me i i can look back now and say i am a totally different person internally my relationship with god's different i went to the temple a lot more often during that period yeah i, I really had to turn to the lord and seek his help and advice and what 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 am i doing here and my testimony is different now. I had a, I always had a testimony, but I don't feel like my testimony was to the level or the strength that it is now after being tested that way. And my commitment to the Lord now is much more unshaken. It's, it's a different type of testimony. So for someone that goes through that, I say, it, this is like the pioneers. It's worth it. Okay. Yeah. I can say that now, but you yeah, don't yeah. ask me that two, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so. actually, one of the things that I love about your story is that um it's one thing to i used to tell myself look time the passage of time will most of the time get you through something but that's not enduring something i i forget which talk it was but they talked about you know enduring well enduring well isn't just hunkering down and like waiting for the storm to pass it's working through it and you know, you, you kind of mentioned it lightly, and, and I know you're a humble guy, so you didn't know, but you mentioned, hey, look, you start this job that you don't like, but you say, this is the job that I have. And so you start listening to phone calls. You start doing your homework. You start, um, you're doing everything that you can to make it work. So it's not just, I'm just going to batten down the hatches and wait for the Lord to bless me. It's, okay, the Lord has blessed me in a in a way that I wasn't expecting but I have raw material now and I'm going to build with it. I'm going to still pray and ask for help to build. But at the end of the day, I'm the guy that's got to swing the hammer. I'm the guy that's got to cut the wood. I'm the guy that's got to build something out of this because that's how it works. That's, that's how this life works. And that's, I think that's the, also the physical manifestation of faith is what I've kind of looked at it is, uh, is saying, okay, I need to physically manifest faith. I'm going to put the effort in. Okay. To learning this. I also, I'm never was I was never a terrible home teacher back in the day home teaching, but during this period I became the best home teacher I ever been. Hmm. I visited all my families. I turned to report. I would call my um, elders come president and tell them a report on everybody every month on every family, and the relationships I built with those families. Some of those I still have friends with now from this from that, and I was able to help them in some situations that I was surprised that I didn't realize I would be so helpful. Yeah. One, one of the gentlemen that I was home teaching at the time, um, they were having their third child who was in the military and all three children were being diapers. They were all really, really close together. And he was literally like going crazy. Like, I don't think I can do, do this, you know? And so, and I didn't realize he was struggling this much when I'd go visit him. His wife was, you know, just about to have the baby. And, but because I'd come so often and built this friendship, he finally said, I need to talk to you. He actually called me up. He said, can you come over and talk to me just me for a little bit? I'm like, sure. So I go over there not knowing what he's going to talk about. And we went on the porch and he's like, we're about to have a third child. He says, 
that's going to be, so he told me we have three in diapers. And he says, I, I'm already struggling to be a father and to actually enjoy being a parent right now. He's like, it's really, really hard. He's just, it's not really my personality. And he says, I don't know if I can handle this. He's like, how are you handling? He's like, you have you know, six kids. And he, I had a brand new baby at the time too. And he's like, how, how does that work? <laughs> Why do you stay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was, that was a tough question. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't, I've never thought of not staying. <laughs> so, sure. But it's, I, wow. I, I, I said, well, it, it is difficult. I said, I agree. I am dealing with a brand new baby that doesn't sleep much. But I said, it's temporary. I said, each of my children have slowly grown and they become more self-contained and self, you know, able to take care of themselves. Yeah. And I said, that will happen for years. It's, it's going to be tough. I said, it's, it is going to be hard. I said, no doubt. The couple, next couple of years is going to be hard. But it will get easier. And then it'll be wonderful. I said, once they're, I said, I'm not a fan of kids under two years old. They're cute, but they're hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, they'll be a much easier once they're past two. They start getting potty trained, et cetera. But I said, you'll still love them. You know, it'll be great. It's good times. And I said, when you come home from work, I said, you may need to just take a, a quick breather outside and say, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to go in the house and I'm going to be dad. Yep, yep. Even if I got to fake it for a little bit. Gonna fake it for a little bit. Fake it to make it. my Walmart smile. And I'm going to walk in there. <laughs> I'm going to be dad. Yep. Go and have tickle fights with them. You know, play yep. some little kids. I said, you'll get to where you, you build that relationship. Once the relationship's built, it's not like it's work. It's not so difficult. And so I encouraged him to, to build a better relationship with his children. And kind of some of the things that I've done, which was just one-on-one -on -one time, even with their little babies, do some one-on-one -on -one time with them to get to know them and they get to know you. And what are the quirky things that dad does to make them laugh on your funny faces or, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of talked through those things that I had learned and done as a, as a father. And he started to do that and it did get better where he, he really thanked me and, you know, they had their baby and I, he's been fine. Wow. So, I mean, even, even in this time of intent, this crucible that you're in, the Lord is still using you to bless other people. Yeah. And I needed that to know that I still had some value. Okay. Cause yeah. I didn't feel very valuable. <laughs> the person yeah. seeing where I could help people in ways just from experience of going through my trials or, you know, or just raising a family could be beneficial. And so I, I look back on that as one of my, you would think as for a service, it's, it's nothing, but just being able to be a friend, build a relationship first, you had to do that first as a prerequisite and then being there for him to where he knew he could call me and have a discussion man-to-man -man about a situation that you would usually not talk to other people about. You know, he, had a, he couldn't talk to his family about that. He's like, you know, you right. don't want to sound like you're a terrible father. Right, right, right. So an outside person like me could do that. So it was, I was glad to be a friend in that kind of service in a way I never thought of serving people. Wow. Eric, I just want to touch briefly. I, you've given me a lot of time and I appreciate it. I want to touch briefly about, we talked about kind of how you got through this financial roller coaster, but a, a part of that at your lowest point now some anti-literature comes in. Talk to me about um, a lot of people take that exit ramp on the on the freeway of the gospel. There's a pretty solid exit ramp. And, I lost two brothers to it, a sister to it, and uh, many friends to some of this very similar anti-Mormon literature. So and what... What did you do? And and like you said, and, and I think both of us would reiterate, look, we are not saying you should strengthen your testimony by studying anti-material and then praying about it. No, no, no. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. But if you find yourself 
and maybe you've been reading some anti, maybe you've, maybe you're surrounded by or whatever. What did you do to not take that exit ramp to stay on the freeway? I had to come to the terms that it's deceitful first. It's not telling the truth. So that's the first thing. And that's where my, my degree came into is just reading it. I was able to see where the methods of persuasion and some of the, you know, tools of deceitfulness were in the art in, in some of these articles. And I'm like, that is, I would, you know, if I turned this paper into my professor back in college, they would have graded me and say, hey, this isn't an honest document. Your, your, your debate, your debate arguments here are flawed, you know, yes, so yes. Able, it's, see that. So I, I really, I point a little bit to the academic background and helping me identify some of that. And it helped me to just kind of take a stand back because like, it's there's some very compelling and deceitful stuff in there. And you're like, what? But as you take a break, and you're like, okay, obviously they're twisting this, they're rephrasing things, they're they're removing some of the you know context around some of these other things, and you start realizing that it's it's formulated to be to destroy faith. I mean, that's what it is. And so this is not a search for truth. No, it's not, not a search, search for truth. No, it's 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 about destroying faith, and it's very persuasive. I mean. The, the art of persuasion is amazing. I, I've been in sales for a long time and I don't want to use it deceitfully, but it's very powerful. <laughs> and I've known salespeople yeah. very deceitful and they're very successful because of their deceitfulness. But, you know, sure. going to sales, you've got to choose what kind of sales rep you're going to be. And you'll never be the top salesman if you're going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's tough. So I don't, I don't usually like the very top, top sales reps. There's usually a reason. <laughs> yeah. Did you replace it with anything? Uh, it was, more temple attendance, definitely study. And I actually took each part of the questions that I got out of some of this and went online and all the sort of scriptures and was looking for what is the kind of the correct answer to this. Mm-hmm. And that helped to a degree too. But yeah. um, just re- this is, I think everyone needs to know this. If, if you're going to have trouble on your testimonies, just start reading the Book of Mormon or the Bible. They're both good to, to read church. Um, and I think the Book of Mormon is more interesting because it's actually a story and history kind of together. In, in the, sure. And so as you do that, I would then read it saying, how does this apply to me in this situation? And I found that taking that stance, which my mission president taught us to do, is so amazing how the scriptures will speak to you. You know, and all of a sudden here I'm, here I'm reading about Korahor, who was an antichrist, preaching anti-Mormon type messages and some of the same arguments and the way he was twisting things and Alman Amulekar, you know, dealing with them were the same things that I was reading. And it was just like, ah, the Lord's telling me, this is old stuff. This is this kind of argument. This stuff is, this is, this has happened for thousands of years. It's nothing new. (laughs) I can't remember. It was core because as we were talking, I was trying to remember. Ziazrim, I'm sorry, the Ziazrim was with Alman Amulekar. Is, was it Zezrim or was it Korahor that was described as, and I'm forgetting the phrase, but but a, a master craftsman of words? Yeah, they they well. I can't, I can't remember which one. Go back and look which one it is now. Exactly. Yeah. Both Zezrim, and Korahor all use similar tactics. You know, there's no, there's this is you know the church is oppressive to you. You know, the church is making money off you. That you know this isn't true. Deny the Christ and you'll be happy. You get money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these, you know, devices they try to use. It seems like the the counsel that we have received over and over again is, look, questions are not bad. Questions are not the problem. It's where we go to find answers to those questions that we that we either build faith or 
sink, you know, or destroy our faith. And so if you, you know, if, if anybody has a question, absolutely tear into it. Now, that's not to say that all the questions have answers, because this is a life of faith. And, and ultimately, our following the gospel requires faith at the end of the day. But tear into your questions, get into them, but just go to sources of truth to find the answers. Right. And I'll take it a step further back. Before you ask the question, what is, you need to have the question of, of the question. Christ taught this. The lawyer came to him trying to tempt him, you know, you know, who should I, who, what's the greatest commandment, Lord? And the Lord says, what readest thou? You know, what is the It's like, well, love thy neighbor as thyself. And then the Lord goes with the parable of the Good Samaritan. What did the Lord do? He asked the question, well, what is the best question? So when people, so I had to do this myself. And I think, and I've talked to some other friends of mine and my brothers about their faith. And when they have these questions, they say, well, but what's the question behind the question that you want? Do you want, this is the first question you ask, do you want your, your covenants to be real? Do you want the blessings? Do you want God to exist? Do you want him to be there in your life? First yeah. question. All the rest of your, your concerns first need to stem on, do you even want to plant that seed of faith that Alma talks about yeah. and, and have faith in God? I mean, do you even want that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the fruit of the question? Are you asking this question because you are really inquiring or are you asking this question because there's a thorn in your side and you're trying to justify a behavior or you're trying to yep. yeah, cover something up? got to go back to the first question do you want god in your life first. yeah if the answer is no don't worry about the rest of the questions just you can leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't worry about it but if the answer is yes well then is this you know are the covenants and the, is the gospel and is the teachings something that's brought you happiness okay great but now you can water the seed and we can now now while you're doing that we can research the question that's fine but you now have started a path of faith at the same time as you're de dealing with the uh, question that's driving you yeah. but you're not throwing your shelf off the wall yeah, my yeah, friend, yeah my friends like yeah my shelf fell off the wall and i don't believe in the church anymore i'm like well you shouldn't just throw the shelf off the wall <laughs> all your, your testimony <laughs> over something <laughs> like this i'm like and this is an argument too is how long did you know did i take to develop and put effort into building my testimony and what I know my knowledge and understanding. I went to seminary and institute and I've read the scriptures and the family home evenings, all glory, all this time and effort. Am I just going to throw all that investment of time away over a few pages? Yeah. No, I would put the same amount of time back into researching this before I get rid of that investment. That's like yeah. dating. That's like my, my the equivalent would be like dating a girl for, you know, a long time falling in love and think it's perfect. And all of a sudden you find out she has one bad habit and you're like, now done with this. We're not break the engagement off. I'm not getting married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You put all that time into that courtship. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Good analogy. I like that. Well, listen, again, I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate the, your willingness to share. Um, this has been fantastic. And I, I hope that people out there, I think this is a common story that a, a common path that a lot of people find themselves on. And I think we're probably at various stages in it. And uh, I hope that that people find inspiration by your story. So thank you for sharing that. There's, there's never going to be a shortage of some suffering and challenges in life. That's just part of our, our uh, lot to be mortal. But 
I can testify that if you push through it and you stay with the Lord, that it will be okay eventually. It will be okay. It'll be worth it. It's just keep pushing till you can say that. You can't say it's worth it. You got to keep going. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.